Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. I'm Osmond Begg joining me here today. Oz, thanks for coming on. It's been a while since we've done this, so I'm uh, glad we could find some time. Yeah, it has been, man. Season's coming around the corner, though, so you know, like, got to get back in gear. I feel like a bad football fan because the teams I root for are actually kind of good this year, but I'm already ready for basketball season. Like, I just need something. Last night, we watched NBL games in our house just because I was already (laughs) tired of Sunday night football. (laughs) I'll admit that... So I, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying football season, obviously, now more than I'm normal. As like any Commanders fan, you know, this is different, you know, so it's been fun. Yeah. That said, I've always liked basketball, especially early season basketball, because now it's like I'm waiting for next Sunday. I was like, hey, I can watch some NBA Monday, Tuesday. Look, I can even watch it like after the game on Sunday. I was like, I still need my NBA fix, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like when you get that, like college basketball has just started, the NBA is going and football is kind of mid-swing. Like that is the sweet spot for sports yeah. for me for the year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously like the tournament and stuff is great, but that's, this is like, while I still care about football, but also basketball is <laughs> exciting and the Wizards haven't crushed me yet. So that's always good. Uh, so yeah, got that to look forward to. Not a big commanders fan here personally, but I do root for their success overall. Can Eric Bieniemy just be the Wizards head coach? Like, I feel like that would be. I think he should be, you know, like his fieriness. Like, you know, I mean, look, he probably, you know, after the season, he could have time, you know? Yeah. He looks like maybe he's hooped at some point in his life. I could see. I that. doubt he would be handing out championship belts to people for doing their job. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, you know, look, I'm not taking shot. Well, I took a little bit of a shot there at, at West Hustle Jr. But, I, but look, I think, I think Eric is a just do your damn job and things will go well thing. And, I kind of like it, you know? <laughs> yep. The one thing I'll say about the belt real quick, I don't hate the idea of the belt in principle if just, hey, the best defender can win it every time. But the fact that the best defender can't get it every week and they had to give it out to like Beal to like preserve his feelings a certain amount of the time and stuff like that, that was the part that always drove me nuts because then yeah. it became a popularity contest. It's also just like, these things got to be like organic, yeah, I don't know who the first team in college football to have like you know when you get an interception you wear something, but then University now everyone's doing the it. First one I remember doing. Yeah, something. like University of Miami. So it's like it's organic there, you know. Like, so it's like okay when the Wizards drafted Wall. I don't know if you remember this. So I had like I think I had season tickets at that point. Mm-hmm. They did this thing where you had to stand at the beginning of the game until they scored a basket. Yeah. And it got kind of embarrassing because they were such a bad team that you would be standing for three, four minutes into the game. And sometimes they would have to take a timeout. And it's also one of those things like, look, you can't like make something a tradition by just saying, hey, this is our tradition. We're going to do do this this. now. Yeah. It's got to just, you know, it's got to just happen on its own. (laughs) Also, when like a third of the building is full at the start of the game, it looks worse when they're all standing too. It looks terrible. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll find some good organic traditions, hopefully. Maybe just winning. That would be a cool tradition to follow. Yeah, winning's here. cool, you know? It's like that. Uh, one of the things I want to start reading on the show when we have some time is just the reviews we get on iTunes. Again, really appreciate when people do that. That's really helpful for us. And 
when people look up wizards pods and things like that that's one of the first ways that makes this pod discoverable so thank you i know that everyone gets annoyed when people shamelessly ask for reviews but we're gonna keep doing that so on the end of august wizards trash talker said the atan thomas episode was great what an episode what a guy jihadi and atan have incredible chemistry two old friends talking about playing days and weighing in on the state of the league atan isn't just some former wizard either this is a man an author and a serious contributor to publications like the guardian loved hearing him on here an evergreen episode really appreciate that wizards trash talker thank you for doing that as always if anybody else wants to leave a review we love that stuff also we're brought to you by stateside vodka and their surfside hard iced teas hard lemonades hard everything <laughs> they're all delicious again it's still like we got a couple days of summer left here so they're especially refreshing go out and get a couple and brought to you by bet online bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs get the latest odds line and matchup reports for baseball boxing golf ufc tennis and more bet online continues to be the fastest easiest way to place your wagers including live betting in your favorite casino and card games head to the website and use uh, our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts okay let's get that, to the actual fun stuff here i think i tell you summer might be over you know look technically no i was at a baseball game yesterday i was wearing my shorts and I was freezing and I got home yeah. and I told my wife immediately, I got to go get, go get some sweatpants. So I'm going shopping for sweatpants tonight. If anyone, I'll be at Tyson's, you know, like you if go. anyone wants to come out to Tyson's, you know, buy me a pair of sweatpants. I'll be very happy, you know, um, you contribute but, to the cause here, folks. Yeah. Contribute to the cause, but that it's just a sign summer's over, you know? <laughs> I'm going to be in Nashville this weekend. It's going to be in the mid eighties. So I'm looking forward to like a couple last days. So you'll have a few more days. Yeah, yeah. That's my hope. Uh, but, also not mad at hoodie weather either. That, that's sort of the sweet spot for me. Uh, speaking of hot weather, actually, I have no segue for this whatsoever. Let's just jump into the first time. I tried. I, I got nothing. It was uh, pretty good. I liked it. The Wizards resigned Taj Gibson. Uh, I don't know. He'll sit on the bench wearing sweatpants a lot also, presumably. Maybe that's the segue. Yeah. yeah. I just... I just don't get the move here, Oz. Like, I'm not mad at Taj as a veteran in a vacuum. I feel like I wrote a thing for Bolts Forever two months ago saying this would probably happen, but <laughs> I, it just doesn't really make sense to me given the context, the rest of the roster. If you want veteran leadership, that's fine. I, I totally got why Tommy brought in Taj, this like inorganic attempt to be like our Yadonis Haslam because we mm -hmm. couldn't even find a guy internally. I think that was a line I stole from you, and it's a really good one. But now it doesn't even make any sense at this point. You've got Gill, yeah. you've got Cooks, you've got Gallo, you've got Mascala, you've got Delon. How many of these dudes do we really need at this point? And you now have to make room on the roster for him, which makes it right. even more confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have 17 players under guaranteed contracts. So two of the players that are currently on the roster will either have to be cut, traded as part of like a package, two for right. one or mm -hmm. two for picks or something. It doesn't make so when Winger and Dawkins took over, I think it was clear. And look, I, I don't disagree with this. They want to read, they clearly are rebuilding, sure. but they're not gutting it down to the studs mm -hmm. in an attempt to be the worst team in the league for the number one pick in this draft yet. I mean, maybe they might end up there anyways because they're not, they don't look like they're going to be a good team right. um, by design. But I think Josh Robbins reported that their still goal is to be professional, not really bottom out. And maybe yeah. that comes later. And that right? tracks with Ted, you know, like the uh, we'll never yeah. ever tank thing. Like, yeah. Okay. And maybe it's just a sales point. Like maybe they just don't want to say what they're doing, but they're actually doing that. But uh, so, so in that main, like, you know, our second round pick didn't like, didn't sign. He's going to stay overseas. You know, Tristan mm -hmm. is not, is not coming, coming over at least for a year. So that's like, so you're, 
you have some young players that you've acquired. Obviously, Bilal Kulabali is the most important one, probably the most important player on the roster. Mm-hmm. You got a couple of those guys from Golden State. You got Ryan Rollins. You got Patrick Baldwin Jr. But the ratio of vet mentor to young player is probably not the way that I still envisioned it. One to one does not make a whole lot of sense to me. No, I was like, that's even if it is one to one. I mean, look, you got like guys who are going to be playing. Jordan Poole is young, but he's very, he's experienced. He has a ton of experience. Kyle Kuzma is experienced. Tyus Jones is experienced. Daniel Gafford, young, but like there's also a difference where like if you really need mentors for young guys, you've had Gafford in the building for three years. You've had Denny in the building for now going into his fourth season. You've had Corey going, like if they were really problem guys who need that mentors, Mm. would they still be here? Exactly. You know? You would hope not. Um, so how many vet mentors do you need for Johnny Davis and and uh, Bilal Kulabali? Like, you know, do you really need that many? So it's like, yeah, the ratio of one-to-one or even maybe more than one-to-one vet to young player doesn't really add up to me. And it's like, yes, I get that you don't want to bottom out and, you know, yet and do all that. But this is kind of where I would, if we were going to sign somebody and make another mo- corresponding move, I'd probably take another flyer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm all for like having a certain amount of like veteran players on the court as well that can contribute because I hope I think it is the easiest way to evaluate the guys you have long term. Like I can tell more about what Tyus and Jordan Poole will look like in an NBA context if I've surrounded them with other competent people. Is 37 or I think maybe now 38 year old Tashi Ibsen the best way to do that? I don't know. Maybe they're presuming that all of the minutes can go to Gafford and Mascala and Tosh is that like break in case of emergency option, in which case, if you don't really plan on playing him, why not go with a younger guy? We talked about this before, but the idea of using that third two-way spot on a veteran, not a veteran big, but like a, a contributing level big and not a total project, I think would have yeah. made a lot of sense. Uh, you had Usman Garuba, I think, signed with Golden State on a two-way you had uh, Nemius Keda, who um, signed with, I want to say, Boston on a two-way. That's another guy that could come in like right away and been the perfect like big body rim protector guy yeah. that you need for some of these teams. And at least he's six fouls. It just he's more mobile. There's a chance he turns into something better. And at the very least, I think right. he's probably more productive than Taj could be this year. Right. There's no chance Taj is going to amount to anything. And it's like it's it gets redundant. Like you have Gallinari. And they didn't buy him out, even though there were early rumors that they would. But apparently that hasn't even been discussed. So that's cool. You have, and he's a, you know, a vet who knows how to play and can definitely see the thing with him is he could at least, you could see Gallinari and you could say, okay, Danny, here are a few things you could learn from him. And he could actually show him on the court those Mm -hmm. things. I don't know who Todd Gibson, I mean, he could said teach. But he's already been here. It's like yeah. he's, he's what's Gafford learning from him at this point? Yeah, you know? like set a screen. I was like, you already got Gortat there for that, you know? Like he's around all the time. So it's like, I don't know. And then you have Anthony Gill who's still here. It's like it's just, it's just redundant. Yeah, you know? I think the only way you can really play Gill at this point is as a small ball five, essentially. And yeah, that's kind of what Taj is to me. Like oh, Taj is to me. Yeah, you know, also, and even like Xavier Cooks, who had a good World yeah. Cup, probably is a small ball five. Yeah, if you so, have like a real stretch five to put him next to, maybe he's a four slash five, like whatever. But yeah, he's a big essentially for this team. He's not a yeah. wing. It's like it's just redundant to me. It's redundant, and it's no upside in redundant. Now, who the the uh, a younger alternative may also not pan out to be anything, sure. but you know, old redundant doesn't just you know, it's it's not fun. 
Yeah, I, I mean, that that's really the thing here. Like, give us somebody exciting enough that we can think like, ooh, here's maybe a young center prospect or any of the guys from last year, like one of the go-go bigs or something. Just bring somebody yeah. back that like we could be like, ooh, okay, like maybe we got something here. You, you finally added a couple guards that we could maybe get interested in, like the Jared Butler pickup I like. Yeah. So who, who could be the center equivalent of that? That's something like the, the the barrel is so empty here. I don't know. Bottom of the barrel guys, like we could get excited about just about anything as Wizards fans and and any of those would kind of make more sense. Yeah. And like, look, even a Jay Huff that I think you and I think kind of the hype got a little carried away. Sure. He would be um, fine. Yeah. He would be perfectly fine in this role ahead of yeah. Taj. I mean, if Jay Huff is good for, and is also on scale, like if Jay Huff is good for, good enough for a two-way deal with the Nuggets, mm-hmm. he's good enough for our 17th roster spot here. <laughs> Oh yeah, and that's our 17th contract here in the 15th roster spot. I think like I would take a Nuggets two-way player over our 15th player. If you don't need him for your veteran leadership and you're not expecting him to do much on the court, it's a lot of money to pay out for a 38-year veteran, a 38-year-old veteran. Like the vet minimum for a guy with 10 plus years in the league is a good amount of money, and you've got uh, a two-way contract with what 500k. Like it's a much better deal and not that we really need to pinch like pinch pennies at this point but yeah it, it just I, I don't really know what they're doing and they're constructing I, and I don't think yeah I don't think it all counts against their cap I think to incentivize teams to sign this level player yeah only a, a portion of that minimum. yeah but the cash is like you still have to pay that amount of cash to the guys so mm-hmm. it's like okay you took on an additional you know million and a half than you had to sure. why <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a little bit of a head scratcher. I, I guess there are two guys have to go out basically, essentially now. Uh, any thoughts on, on who that is? I think ideally we'd both like to see them trade these guys for something. But if two people just get cut, who would be your your vote to get cut? I guess essentially. See, it's kind of different. There's like who I'd want to see go, and then then who and then there's who I'd probably cut. Yeah. If I had to just straight up like, hey, let's uh, pick someone to cut. Um. I think one is definitely Anthony Gill. And I'm sorry, it seems like we pick on him. I know. It just but did. and he seems like a great guy, but it would be him. Mm-hmm. Uh the second one is a little tougher now. Like, you know, I don't I wouldn't mind oh, look, I would cut I would cut Todd Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I guess Xavier Cooks becomes the second guy, but like, you know, in that situation. But if I was choosing one or the other, I'd probably choose Xavier Cooks over Todd Gibson. Not that I think there's much there, but like he looked good in FIBA and I'd like it's to just, worth, there's anything there, you know? Yeah, at least you could see if maybe he can be something. We know what Taj is and he's not going to magically get better at this point in his career. Right. Whereas like Cooks, okay, maybe he gives you some roster flexibility or positional versatility. Yeah, but if it comes down to just what are you going to do to open up space, I think what I would probably do in that situation is... I would look at DeLon Wright and Landry Shamit. Yeah. Those are older, older, older guards. Well, Shamit's not that old, but he's been around. And I, I think it's fair to say that he's probably not in the team's future plans. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, DeLon Wright is, I think, going into his age 32 season, or he's going to be 32 at some point this coming year. He's an expiring. And you already have, you know, you have um, obviously Tyus Jones. You have Jordan Poole who's going to play some minutes at the one. You know, there you have options there. How much are they going to put the ball in his hands? How many minutes do you want to go to that? You know, he could definitely help. Sure. He can help on the floor, and maybe you trade him closer to the deadline. You might be able to squeeze a little more out of him. Shamit, I think, makes a lot of sense because with his, um, you have Johnny Davis, who you have to see. You have to figure out what you have there. You also have Corey Kispert, who could play a lot of minutes at the two. 
They have Bilal Kulabali who on this apparently. <laughs> they have Bilal who um, they've said can play some guard also. So you have a lot of options behind Jordan Poole, and you have limited minutes. So I think probably the most logical are Gill and Gill and Landry Shamit, one getting cut or both be getting packaged together. Delon Wright, I think it's it's clear to say like at some point will be traded also this season. I think I'd be shocked if he's not. If I'm a veteran, you know, or veteran. If I'm a contending team who needs a veteran guard, I'm calling yeah. Delon Wright. And I think uh, Zach Lowe even mentioned like Tyus Jones would make some sense for some of these contenders. And yeah. I think they're probably more inclined to at least keep him through the deadline. Whereas like Delon, you could maybe make a case for right now if somebody loses a guard in training camp or one of these kinds of things. Like he'd be right. one of the immediate calls you would go out and make. I would think. I don't know I think how much what you get were, for him, but it makes yeah, sense. I think what you were saying kind of makes sense earlier about. And it kind of ties into like uh, it. It definitely applies to Tyus. Like you want to see competent players, so that so you need some level a point guard, especially. And I think you and I have talked about this, especially in related to like summer league, yep. where like it's only five games, but it just really bothers us when you don't have a competent point guard in summer league. Yeah. Nobody can you, dribble or run. An no offense. one can dribble, and everyone looks like shit. You know, yeah. and it just really pisses me off. It's like just get them a competent point guard so we can see if like uh, how these guys look in a normal situation. So for the Wizards right now, Tyus Jones, at least till the deadline, keep him around. He he is a probably one of the top three or four players on the team. He's going to shoot mm-hmm. well. You know, he's just a competent player that will make life easier for Jordan Poole at first. Yeah, agreed. Now, if somebody wants to drop a bag, like, yeah, okay, <laughs> then he, goodbye. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I get way too hung up on like sort of the fringe rotation guys and what they do with them sometimes, like getting mad about like the Jordan Goodwin inclusion in the Beal trade. Like I, I fully admit that I do that, but <laughs> I will be pissed if uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. or Ryan Rollins end up like cut as a result of this. Like so we could sign Tosh Gibson. Like I will actually go on this podcast and lose my shit for some amount I can't, of time. I can't imagine Baldwin Jr., when you asked me the question at first, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if they would try to move Ryan Rollins to a two-way. Do they have that third two-way, right? They do. It, it's just, there's no guarantee you do that if you release right. him and then try to convert him. If I'm him, I tell you to F off and I go to some contending team oh, on yeah. the two-way before it's I It's just silly here. anyways to even offer that up to him, you know? Like, yeah. it's like he shouldn't be one of the options they're looking at that. But again, this is also where they got to just clear up some of their redundancies because at some point you want to see what those guys look like this year. Not now, maybe post deadline, you know, but you want to see, you want to see Ryan, you want to see Baldwin Jr. You want to see what these guys are. Shamit, Delon Wright, Delon Wright at the beginning of the season might make, 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 ah, at the beginning of the season might make more sense than they will after the deadline. Uh, Big J 52 said, Hey, I don't know what 25 year old Corey is going to do for this team, except sacrifice his career. Gill and cooks are not needed either. I'm assuming that's about Corey Kispert. Uh, I mean, again, it's same thing. Like if you want to evaluate what Poole and Kuzma and Koulibaly and these guys look like, you want to do it in a real NBA context. And to do yeah. that, you need floor spacing. And Corey is one of like three people on the team that can actually shoot. So yeah. I don't think there's a world where they're in a big hurry to get rid of him. Now, again, if some team is going to like, you know, back up the Brinks truck to you, like to give you assets in return for him at the deadline, he can, you know, I'll help him pack. Yeah. But, and there's no rush with him either because he's going to still have a year and a half left exactly. at the deadline. Yeah. So at that point, there's, you know, he's not an expiring. The team that will trade for him will have a cheap rotational level player. And I'm hard on Corey because um, just because of the limitations to his game. But there's a value and there's there's a space for him. I just don't think it's a starter space, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, again, yeah. like certain rosters he can fit a little better with than others. And and where we are in a rebuild, you can go either way with him, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. He's either young enough to keep as a part of that rebuild or, uh, you know, he doesn't make sense and you trade him for something. But I, right. I wouldn't be one of the ones I'm in a hurry to get rid of. Like, Shamit yeah. can go away before Corey to me. Yeah, and the, thing, younger, the funny thing is, Shamit. funny thing is, Shamit is young, but his salary, like, he's already gotten to the point where salary-wise, he's going to always be in that MLE mid-level exception plus. So you don't want to invest in someone 27, 28, who's going to cost you in the early on in your rebuild, 10 to $15 million a year. It's just, and also block playing. You, you, you know, that's, a, that's one of those perfects. Hey, that's a tradable contract. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can work with that. You know, those are the players I would never invest in long-term because yeah. you could always go out and get value from that guy on the rookie yeah. contract as the shooting specialist kind of player. Right. All right, we mentioned some of these young guys here and the person who's going to be tasked to help with their development, uh, at least to some degree next year. Uh, the Wizards are hiring Corey Topper to come in and be the head coach of the Capital City Go-Go. They've had a couple really good head coaches for the Go-Go the last couple of years, in my opinion, in Ryan Richmond and Mike Williams. Both have departed for other opportunities this offseason. Uh, Topper, former LSU assistant, he worked at Memphis for a while. If you uh, all get bored and you go on ESPN Plus, there was a show that they did uh, with Penny Hardaway's Memphis team a couple years ago, and Topper is featured in that. And he was like their big player development guy and just a really smart dude. And I know some people mm-hmm. in coaching that really respect him. Uh, some of the folks I know from the the TBT, he coached a team there a couple years. Just like a really smart, innovative kind of guy to help people not just like dribble between cones very well and do the spider drill a bunch of times, but actually like work on moves and how to apply those in game. So I think this is the right kind of guy. Uh, he was the head coach of the Suns G league affiliate a couple years ago in 2017 assistant coach for the Suns in 2018, again, assistant coach at Memphis from uh, 2019 to 2022 and spent last season as assistant coach at LSU. This is a dude that I, I think will really actually be like a good pickup for them. So I'm, I'm excited about that. It's great. Is he, so based on what you know about him, um, is are his strengths more skill related? Is it and how much will he be involved? Kind of, I guess this is a general question about the, the about the go-go coach because mm-hmm. I think they start after the NBA, correct? Yeah. So so usually it's a guy that takes on more of like a player development role or like a yeah. further down the bench wizards assistant. That's what Ryan Richmond and Mike Williams kind of cut their teeth as like that that PD kind of guy. So I, I think he'll so do he'll some probably of that. play a role in training camp. And leading I, into training camp. I would think so. And okay, which is good. See, yeah. yeah, he'll see what Wes wants to do and, and learn those kinds of things and what transfers okay. over. And then uh, when their season wraps up, which is typically before the NBA season, they usually kind of shift over into an end gotcha. of bench role too. So this, this will be a, a good move for the organization longer term. And again, I, I think this is another guy who's like an up and comer in the industry mm-hmm. overall. So this is um, this goes in kind of in line with their other offseason coaching staff upgrades. So I'm all for it. Uh, another young piece here, kind of worth talking about a little bit. We've talked about collecting assets and things like that and just trying to stockpile as many of those as possible. There's kind of one line I'm not willing to cross to do that, and I've seen a couple people suggest that the Wizards should try to trade for Kevin Porter Jr., who's now on the trading block, in order to receive assets just to take on that contract. That's just like a line I'm not willing to cross, Oz. I think I know you feel the same way about this too, yeah. but I, I thought it was worth talking about that that's even something out in the ether uh, it's just not worth it to me, whether you just immediately cut him or not. It's just shady business dealings to have to take on a real, like, um, honest to God piece of shit to do that. Like this yeah. isn't a one-off or a false, maybe this accusation isn't even true, but you have a whole track record of stuff and other assault charges and 
uh, you know, bad stuff in the locker room to say that this is just like not the kind of dude you want associated with your franchise in any kind of way at this point. Yeah. And the Rockets would be trading him because they, they are, they assume there's some level. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say what they assume, but because of, because of what happened. So why would the notion just bothers me? The fact that people have said, well, we'll just get picks and immediately cut him. That's cool. Like what, what's the big deal? We're just going to cut him right away. You're taking advantage of the situation where he physically assaulted his girlfriend right. to get draft compensation to help a rebuild. I mean, at some point, have some perspective. Yeah. Have like some like just big picture that like you're not playing my you know NBA franchise mode. You're not trying to just collect picks so right. for your next 2K season or whatever it's you're not, doing. Not a fantasy football or fantasy basketball. It's not a right. fantasy team. You know, like you don't want that bad karma. You don't want it to be this be looked at as the team like these guys winger and dawkins are new here like the whole like the whole group here is they're new they're mm-hmm. they have like kind of gear they're given the benefit of the doubt yeah. do you really want to be like have like you know you know the wizards don't get talked about much in the media do you really want the local media to be like oh hey our new general manager and director of basketball operations took advantage of the situation mm-hmm. to get three second round picks yeah it's like you know no it's like you want to stay. This has nothing to do with us. Don't make it about us. Yeah, stay, stay as far away from this one as humanly yeah. possible. Um, same thing. Cleanliness, you know? thing. Ban him from the league for forever. Once you've seen the pictures of the of you know the the person um, that that was the victim here, like with the broken neck and things like that, like yeah. it's just like really that's that's what you want showing up on the Sports Center ticker. No. It's absurd, and it's also like you know, um, it, it's. If, like ultimately I'll be shocked if the NBA allows it. Yeah. Like this is where, and I don't know if like credit to Godell, but it's just more, he just very simply, they have their NFL commissioners exemplist. Right. Mm. So at least I think, and I mean, I maybe I may be wrong, but I think I have it right. Is that whenever anything like this happens, he immediately puts that player on that exemplist. And until they come off, nothing can happen with them. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's what should be happening job. here. Adam Silver should be like, Nothing can happen with Kevin Porter Jr. He is on a commissioner's exempt list. You cannot trade him for to dump his salary. You can't trade him for cap relief, and no team can, you know, like he is like he is his contract. Everything about him is put in timeout. Let the legal process play out, but he is not in the league. No one's going to do anything with his contract until this is all sorted out. You know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know why they haven't done that yet. <laughs> I saw some of the commentary about like, oh, you know, how do we know this is true? Or, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. It's like, there's enough data points here that this guy is like clearly a piece of shit. So let's yeah. just move on and not be associated with him and we'll call it a day. Also, fourth and fifth chances don't have to occur within 30 seconds of what, what like happened, you know? Exactly. Like, it's just absurd. You know, like, yes, there's like, th- like, but you have to show remorse. You have to show that you've grown. It doesn't happen. Oh, let's just give him a second chance 10 seconds later so we could get a first-round pick. Also, Winger and Dawkins, if that's what they would need to rebuild a team, then I wouldn't think highly of them, and I wouldn't think highly of their building skills. Yeah, the the 57th pick in the draft you're going to get in two years from now or whatever for this is is not really going to change the future of the franchise anyway. Exactly, right. And basically, I think everything that happened this summer was because Ted got sick of being like the laughing stock from national media's perspective. So this is the first thing you want to do to get your team talked about with of any national relevance all summer. It's just right. There's no it's a lose lose for them. Uh, all right. Moving on to the next one here. According to Hoops Hype's real value metric, the most overpaid players of all time 
are number one, John Wall, number two, Gordon Hayward, three, Clay Thompson, four, Tyson Chandler, five, Jawan Howard, six, Kevin Love, seven, Dikembe Mutombo, eight, Nicholas Batum, nine, Chandler Parsons, 10, Al Horford. The notion of most overpaid, I have like an actual problem with here because to me, an overpaid player is someone gave you just a contract that like no one could ever justify. To me, Wall earned that contract. Whether or not he did anything uh, to justify it after the fact, I would strongly argue against. And even if he doesn't get injured, he was showing up heavy and out of shape and like not yeah. working as hard anymore. So like it ended up being a bad deal. But to me, an overpaid player is someone that like you threw a contract at that never made any sense at any point in time. Like to me, the wall contract, I, I don't really have an issue with like it ended up being terrible after the fact. Um but the worst contract in the league, you know, after a year or two versus the worst contract given out of all time is a different thing to me, I guess. So any Agreed. thoughts on that list and and the wall and wall being the worst contract of all time in NBA history on it? I think it's really more so, like you said, it's just labeled incorrectly. Yeah. It should really be not the most over, but like, yeah, just maybe the worst contracts. How how it how it worked out. How this how it worked out. How the contract worked out. This was the worst contract. And you can't really argue that it probably was John wall played a total of, I was looking it up all year, you know, 74 games um, since signing that deal. And now that deal actually, we're actually out of that deal. Now that was a four year deal, which, which expired last year, even last year, the 34 games he played last year were not part of that contract. He was already, I think was, he was waived and then signed by the Clippers. Um, So it ended up being an absolutely terrible contract. I agree with you mostly um, that at the time, he did earn it. And look, he earned it. 100% you earned the deal. Sure. So if you play well, you make the All-NBA team and a team pays you, you've earned it at that point. I think given that he still had, I believe it was two years left on his contract at that point. Did they have to give it to him at that point in time? Did they have to give it to him? That's the argument. And I think even, I think a lot of us, the majority were happy just because we just came off out of the Eastern Conference semifinals. John Wall had his best season in the NBA. Everyone was like, this guy is all about, you know, all about the franchise, all about the city. Like, you know, it's fantastic. He's here. Uh, you know, there are voices and I could even imagine Kevin Broom telling us right now, like, he'd be like, oh, actually, I didn't, you know, he's like, I said it was a bad deal at the time. So like, no, and I'm not, I, I know he actually did say it at that time. Yeah. He was pumping the brakes. I think Ben Beck, you know, just there are a few people out there and reasonably so who said they probably wouldn't have done it. I think what the prudent thing in hindsight and to, to those people at the time as well would have been wait one more year, have Wall prove that he could stay healthy more than one season. Because prior to that all NBA season, I believe he had procedures on both knees. Yep. He missed the end of the 26, 2015, 2016 season because of like knee surgeries. And that 2016, 2017 season, like, you know, there was actually a lot of questions about him going into it. And then he had his best season. So I probably, you know, it would have been prudent at the time. I think I think most people would agree here. It would have been prudent at the time. Let Wall prove that he could stay healthy one more year. And then if he does that, if he plays well, let's offer him the super max at that point. That would have been the better way to do it. Um, maybe it's semantic, but that's where I keep going back to like worst contract versus most overpaid. And to me, mm-hmm. the maybe the second or third best guard in the Eastern conference for a multi-year stretch getting paid like that. You can't really say he was overpaid, but yeah. the contract bad because of like all these sort of 
ancillary things that could have gone wrong and, and things like that. Sure. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like arguing with the wording here at this point, but the well, worst contract of all time still seems a little like wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, cause he could actually play when he could play. It just became that he got hurt and he couldn't actually get on the court, you know? And then actually, even though there, there was a time, I think, I think most people acknowledge, I mean, the NBA didn't even give a disabled player exception um, that second kind of full season that he was out because I think everyone acknowledged that he was being sat out the full season to as they were up. kind of, yeah, to rest for the next season, which never actually happened, which is when he ended up in Houston. So he could have hit the court plate a little more, but you know, it was definitely bad. It definitely ended up being a very bad contract. It, d- it did not work out well for them. I guess but he earned what he earned what he got. It just, yeah, the argument is, should they still have done it? You know, yeah. and look, the argument was like, look, look, we asked the same question when Beal got signed. Should they have done it? And he had like better health and he's been a fine player, but mm-hmm. like, you know, just they were chasing something that wasn't here. That's where I was going to go next, though, is, is this even the worst Wizards contract of all time? Like to say it's the worst contract in NBA history is is just wild to me, given like the the scope of NBA history and how some of these have, have looked <laughs> out. Like uh, you mentioned, the Beal contract is arguably as questionable. Uh, the Jan Mahinmi deal, uh, again, less money, Awful. but... But that looked bad in the moment. You took a refrigerator with arms and legs and gave him $85 million or whatever. It also severely handcuffed yeah. the upside of that 2016-17, team. It may have been more disastrous than, than some of right. these other deals in the shorter term, at least. But honestly, I could even argue that the Gill contract, like the last Gilbert Arenas deal, was yeah. worse than the Wall one. To me, like you took a guy who was coming immediately off of like his knees exploding yeah. and and gave him that deal when you didn't have to, you kind of competed against yourselves because your owner was like, just here, cut the check. Yeah. And he even said he was opting out to opt in, but he must've known what shape his knee was in. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, So there's a whole bunch of stuff here that I I think you could argue are at least as bad as wall. And then they have Juwan Howard fifth on this list. You could maybe argue the Juwan deal is just as bad too. Uh, Yeah. That that one kind of screwed us for a, a long period of time. Too. I would argue the the Mahimi deal was worse. I think so too. I think I think because that group had some upside. Yeah, like you could have now ultimately health derailed them. Sure. But it was it was the 2016-2017 one forty nine games. Mm-hmm. They lost to Boston. Boston, and they essentially had believe, no bench. If you spread yeah, that across no bench. multiple bench contributors instead of just Jan, who gave you nothing, like that's a different team. Yeah. So then what happened was Washington, because of their cap issues, because of the luxury tax, comes back with a worth, worse roster in 2017, 2018, requiring more of Wall, more of Beal. And who knows what led to the injury? Like how much more? If, if you had better players, does that happen? Does, do he, does he play the minutes? Does Wall play the minutes that he has to play? Does he get hurt as a result? Didn't Beal lead the league in minutes that year too, I want to say? Like uh, he was he at least near, at that near, point. near the top. Even He even was definitely near the top for a while. Right. And then does that like lead to some of the leg injuries he's had the past few years? Yep. So like if they actually, and I remember the argument that I, I, someone reported this, I don't remember the time that basically once they lost out on Horford, they decided they had to spend the money. We got to do something the, here. Or we got to do something. So they use it on Nicholson, who then cost a first round pick the dump. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, they use and it Jason on Mahini. Yeah. <laughs> right. On Jan, who played out his contracts. But yeah, it was just basically an albatross, like just 
sitting there on the cap sheet, like limiting. And see, because that team was better, they had Ubre, who has at least become a serviceable player. You had uh, Bogdanovich, who's become like, you know, he's become much better since leaving here. They couldn't keep those guys. They couldn't, like, they, they could have had an interesting team if they were able to keep Wall, Beal, uh, Moyan, uh, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, you know, I'm trying to think who else, Gortat. That's at least an interesting group, but you have to dump guys and you come back with Jody Meeks and, but, you know, and you give up a first round pick, which turned into Jared Allen. This is all a result of that Jan Mahimi contract. The wall contract, yes, it was bad and it was one of the worst ones ever, but there was no window. There was no upside for that team. That The upside for that team was the eighth seed. The upside for the prior team could have been maybe an Eastern Conference Finals because the conference was not as good at that point, and it was a decent group of players. I think some of this, too, in terms of, like, worst contract is, like, did you have to give it? If you have a guy that's, like, an all-NBA caliber player, even if he's, like, competing at best for a third team, you still probably have to pay to keep them. They didn't have to throw money at Jan Mahimi just to do it. They could have, like, grossly overpaid someone on a one-year deal if they were so, you know like incentivized to use up that money and not let it burn a hole in their pocket. Yeah. I mean, he treated it like, yeah, like you said, exactly. It was burning a hole in his pocket. He had to get rid of it ASAP. And not only like he, you know, four years for Mahimi, it was three years for Smith, three years for Nicholson. three years for Mahimi. No, actually Nicholson was four years also. Uh, Nicholson yeah. was 424, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, Jason Smith was 315 and Jan was 464. Four, yeah. It's it's like why? Why did you why were you bidding yourself against yourself in doing this? So, mm. you know, yeah, I would call that one the worst. Like, you know, in terms of return for your investment, yes, the wall one was pretty was horrible, but it didn't cost this franchise anything, like ultimately because they were bad, like and they were gonna be bad. And and if he had stayed and, and played at the level he had played at, at least it works out for you. Even if Jan had right. been the Pacers version of Jan, it still didn't move the needle for them in any way, yeah. shape, or form. And yeah, no I don't know who they were taking. Who do they think they were getting? Yeah, they didn't, you know. I think Jan is actually still younger than Taj Gibson, and he was a very good veteran mentor while he was here. So maybe we could bring him back as well to bolster the bench and add an 18th man yeah. to the team. We are jerks because like we keep like just like ragging on these nice guys. I'm sure Jan, like if he was my neighbor, I'd be like, you hey man, just come hang out, you know? Let's hang out, let's, let's shoot around outside a little bit, you know, like, you know, I'd love to hang out with him. I just don't want him He's- on my NBA team. His agent did say he would come on this podcast at some point and then totally ghosted me. So I don't feel quite as bad about it. Oh, you don't feel quite as bad then. Okay. Gil, I think, would be like a nice man to have an interview (laughs) with. So I should probably stop shitting on Gil. This is not an anti-Anthony Gill podcast, by the way. It's an anti-17. I think if Anthony Gill was on the podcast, though, we'd end up like meditating halfway through, like in a group circle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it would just be, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The other thing, the other kind of, NBA-related news that's going on right now. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Winning Time, got canceled, which is a bummer. I just keep thinking about like other eras of teams that would make really good television, and you'll never be able to convince me that those mid-2000s Wizards team like wouldn't be an amazing television show. It might be so ridiculous, no one would ever believe it if they weren't familiar with the story, so maybe that is yeah. bad TV, but I'm um, like... Just picture like, oh, we just drafted this young second round pick and an Andre Blatch and uh, now he's shot trying to pick up a prostitute. Like that seems like HBO quality like content right there. 
what was that ESPN football show Play drama makers. that they had? That's exactly Playmaker. what it would be like. Yeah. Yeah. See, like it couldn't be like an HBO show. It would have to be something so over the top that like the NFL shut down that show. Right? <laughs> the NFL told ESPN that as part of the deal, you can't do this show anymore. So that's yes, that's what the Wizards would be. Like they would they would just be like something so ridiculous on ESPN 30 minute episodes. Like, oh, it's the, you know, it's the shoes. Like, what's on the shoes? Like, yep. and it would just be, yeah, it would just be absurd. Yeah. But they would, it would be entertaining. It would have a cult following for sure. Not, and the cult following would be beyond us. <laughs> I think so too. Like real NBA people would get into that. You could have somebody draft like the uh, Alexei Petrov character. And all he can say is I get buckets done. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the just comedy gold could come from a show like that. I think. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like when, you know, like imagine you could have a full episode where it's just the, his teammates' reaction to Andre Nocioni dunking on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or uh, the Jan Vesely draft. You just yeah. make all this girlfriend on TV. Like it's just <laughs> it's too it's too ridiculous for like um, uh, people to believe that that's real content. Oh yeah, I've also been rewatching HBO show Ballers too, and I keep thinking of like as ridiculous as that show is, like some of those kinds of like caliber of things happen to this organization, like bring a gun to a locker room. Like even that just seems too ridiculous that someone would have done it or people trying to kill themselves over or kill each other over the results of a card game. Uh, I know. I really just wish like there was enough interest to like someone really dig down deep and do like a 30 for 30 type thing on what the hell happened here over the past two decades. Like it would be so entertaining, but there's just not enough, you know, like we need like a, a Michael Lee just to get really hyper motivated and just be like, you know what? I'm producing this. I don't care. You know, (laughs) I, I said it when we as had, Michael um, Lee like lectures us via direct messages whenever yeah, you tweet exactly. him anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please leave me out of this. Uh, <laughs> when we had Jeff Perlman on to talk about winning time, I, I said on that pod, like my like, I don't know if I were independently wealthy tomorrow and didn't have to work. My first project would be to fund that like exact documentary or to write the book on that team, because it, mm-hmm. I think it would be an instant bestseller just in terms of what an absolute shit show it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can just do a Gil, a Gilbert Arena show all by itself, and I think that's uh, that's enough to get it done. Uh, anything else wizard uh, wizards related here? We need to talk about before we get out of here. I'm trying to think, like, is we're really they're working out. We're really in the quiet time. I think the most interesting thing is going to be just a few things that I'm looking for. Again, what happens with these roster spots? Who's going to get cut? Who's going to get traded? Because someone is and some, or someone will get traded. That's just, it has to happen. They can't carry 17. They could carry that number into camp, but they can't carry it into the op- into opening day. So the, something's going to happen there. What is their immediate kind of role with Bilal going to be? Mm-hmm. I kind of want to, want to see it. If you made it a point to have a vet, a couple of vets on this team, and like keep a Kuzma for professionalism and keep like a, you know, Tyus Jones, that, that type of player. I'm kind of in the whole, let's throw him in, throw him into the deep end yeah. because I think he has the demeanor to take it. I, you don't see, you didn't see any confidence issues like you saw with Johnny Davis in his rookie summer league or, or Danny Avia with his shot. Like he just see, it's kind of like I would take the Beal approach. Remember Beal uh, was drafted they kind of moved Jordan Crawford out quickly mm-hmm. so that there was no like yeah, back and forth. There. They did not want any overlap and they did not want any issues there. So they kind of quickly got rid of Jordan just so that it could be Beal and everyone in the team and everyone in the organization knew this role is Beal's and 
we're going to go with it. And we're just going to throw them into the deep end now so that we could kind of like, you know, speed up the learning curve. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. I mean, I get to some degree kind of easing him in, but that's like the most. And then obviously between Avdia and Corey Kispert, which one, if either, earn another contract in Washington? I think those are kind of the things that I'm looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if we can finally see if any of the summer workout videos for Denny like have paid some dividends and the shooting yeah. is real, like then I think that's a real competition for that starting spot. But like that's almost what you need to be the case there. But I, I yeah. think that's probably why like guys like Shamit and stuff are still around right now is maybe mm-hmm. just to give them some push uh, for training camp and can Gallo or any of these guys like make that competition interesting. And, and even just yeah. like you said about Cool Bali, like I'm all for like, him getting minutes right away. I don't think I would just be like, here, you're automatically the starter. I think that sends the wrong message, but like they need to make it a priority to make sure he gets developmental minutes. uh, Right. Get him his 20, get him his 20 minutes a game to start and then ramp it up to 25 then ramp it up to 30. There should not be nights where he's playing 12 minutes a game. I don't think, at least I don't think so. Yeah. I'm with you. It's just, yeah, not long-term at the very least. Like if you want to do yeah. that the first week or two or something to ease it yeah. in, I, I don't care. But that 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 needs to be a priority this season, I think. Uh, and the other one is just Johnny Davis. I've been watching some of these like videos and promos they've put out. Maybe I've just missed it. I have not seen Johnny like prominently featured in, in any of these like little minute-long clips or anything that they're putting out. I don't know what that means. Maybe he's not around yeah. or maybe... Maybe that's a bad sign for him and how he looks that they don't have content that they want to show. But I'm really interested in what happens with him. Yeah, it's a lot of Tyus. It's a lot of Poole. Yep. It's a lot of Anthony Gill. Yeah, love that. <laughs> Gill is like the third most popular character on this. So do you remember? Show. And look, I'm again, I'm sorry. Like Anthony Gill's a great guy, but I'm going to take a shot at him. So I know you're not a Commanders fan. Um, that's a Ravens fans for everyone who you know is out there. You know, sorry, everybody. It's you know, there's a lot of Ravens fans amongst amongst the fan base. Um, do you remember when John Beck was in Washington mm-hmm. and he read you, the Shanahan, he read the Shanahan book and almost during that lockout season, he kind of anointed himself as a starter mm-hmm. where he started running his own workouts and he came in immediately like, this is my team. And everyone was like, where'd you even come from? Right. So it's like, I get like with Anthony Gill, like front and center and all these like promo clips going out is like, Anthony Gill making himself like the star of this team. <laughs> He's nominated himself captain of the team at this point. Yeah. So, you know, now I've called Anthony, I've compared Anthony Gill to John Beck, which might be a good equivalent. He stuck around long enough and made some millions. I think we'll take it. Uh, he probably hates us now. Anthony, yeah, probably probably sorry, Anthony Gill. If he knows who we are. Yeah. Yeah. No chance. Uh, that's probably, <laughs> let's probably keep it that way. I don't know. These guys are on Twitter a good amount, but I, you know what? I'll give Anthony credit for this. If anyone was mature enough to not be like scouring their name, uh, on Twitter, I think he's probably the guy. Yeah, I give him that, you know? And he's probably still recovering from the thrashing that the Terps gave the Cavs, so... Yeah, you know. sucker. <laughs> Take that. Uh, by the way, I was scared shitless for the first, I don't know, half of that uh, Maryland-UVA uh, game, but it worked yeah. out. So It worked out. Know, but, uh, yeah, the second quarter, it's like Maryland remembered, oh, that's UVA. Let's just yep. kick their ass. Yeah. <laughs> Crab cakes and football. That's what we do here uh, in the greater DMV area. All the local football teams are undefeated, which is not a thing I thought I would be saying at this point in the year. So mm-hmm. we'll take it. Uh, Oz, thank you for doing this. It's been way too long. Absolutely, man. Overdue. Everybody, you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you all next time.
for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.